going home for the holidays as a trans person isn't always fun, but I think it's safe to say that you don't usually get left behind on a dying planet in the middle of Christmas dinner. Meet Micah Underwood. Yeah, boy. Here. Look, it's just over there, you dumb dog. No, not on the bush. Look, it's next to the tree. Bo. Bo. Bo, look, the ball's right over here. You're looking right at it. No, Bo. Micah is the youngest son of the Underwood family, who, until a few years ago, was not considered a son, or a boy, or a man. His mother had never accepted him, nor had his father. His sister had, but only to a certain extent. But the one member of the family who truly accepted him as a man was, of course, his dog, Bo. <laughs> you are a very silly dog. I love you. Bo couldn't see why Micah's family didn't see him as a man. Micah was his boy. Micah was the boy who threw the ball for him. The boy who fed and watered him. The boy who took him on long walks and the boy that Bo could knock over into a lovely, crushing dog hug. Micah was his boy, so of course Micah was a boy. <sighs> I'm not throwing the ball for you again. Fine, I'll throw it once more, but only one, okay? And hurry up, no one will be wondering where we are. So inside they went, the boy and his dog. They sat down at the table, or at least Micah did. Bo tried to leap up onto one of the chairs, but Micah's mother, Mrs. Underwood, shooed him down. Bo pouted, but she ignored him. I'm sorry, boy. Dinner was surprisingly pleasant, considering the Underwood's long history of tragic Christmas dinners. Micah even enjoyed himself. He ate, he drank, he talked to his sister, he even smiled. But Micah Underwood had always been a bit of a lightweight. Even now at 22, he couldn't handle his drink any more than he could when he had his first cider at 15. Soon, he was passed out on the couch. Bo circled around his limbs like a warm, soft, overly excitable blanket. Little did either of them know that this Christmas dinner was the last time they would see the rest of the Underwood family. You see, by this point in time, families had been leaving the planet for decades. The Earth was more or less dead, had been for a while, for longer than Micah had been alive. When a planet is dead, it's only natural that people would want to leave. And that is exactly what happened. One by one, families had started leaving. Buying or renting or stealing or building spaceships and flying them far, far away. To another planet. Any planet. Anywhere with less smoke and smog and ruin than good old planet Earth. Micah knew families were leaving, 
he had grown up lonely, and grew up to be lonelier as his friends moved away, or stayed but grew sick from the smoke. <coughs> families were leaving. He heard the noises every night. Another sunset, another spaceship taking off from planet Earth, never to return. Micah knew families were leaving. He just never thought it would be his. Falling asleep, boy. Wonder where the others went. <laughs> no, they wouldn't have gone on a walk. Not without you. Mum? Dad? Where are they? They'll be back eventually. Deep down, they both knew it wasn't true. Good boy, Bo. Good boy. Come on, boy, let's get inside. Boy? Bo? What are you doing? I need to get inside where it's warm. What could you possibly be sniffing at? What's that? Why is it pinned to the fence? Well, it's a letter, and it's... It's addressed to me, Bo. Do I... Do I open it? It's from Mum and Dad. I 
They're gone, boy. They've they've left us. They're not coming back. used to loneliness. He had never been an expert in human interaction, but he didn't mind. He rarely found himself wanting to spend time with others, and he was, for the most part, content with his own company. But his family, though they had never been present in his life, they had been there, a constant, a shadow. Well, a family. No, they had never been sweet or kind or compassionate. And they had never been there to lend a hand when Micah was in need. They hadn't been trustworthy or trusting or dedicated to keeping their son safe. Micah had never felt a strong sense of love from his parents. And he had never felt a strong sense of love for them. Really. But they had been something, and now that something was gone forever. Maybe they hadn't been the perfect family, or even a good one. Maybe they hadn't been a decent family, but they had been a family. They had been family enough to raise two children. They had been family enough to adopt a dog together. They had been family enough to see each other on holidays, even when their children were grown. And they had thrown that away like it was nothing. <laughs> Why wouldn't they tell us? You don't just you don't just leave without telling your son. Come on, bloody decency. You don't just They planned this. They They've wanted to do this for a while, haven't they? <laughs> you don't just decide to leave the planet overnight. The plan this is the last family Christmas together. We've known for weeks, probably months. <laughs> what kind of monster leaves the entire bloody planet without telling their son? <laughs> I can't do this, boy. I can't stay here house was too big. It was a family home, built for two parents and two children. It was not built for just one boy and his dog. Micah felt so small. He didn't like the emptiness that surrounded him. He didn't like it one bit. 
who is used to loneliness, being dismissed, ignored, rejected, but he wasn't used to being alone. Usually when he was alone, it was by choice. But this was different. Micah Underwood felt lonely. And for the first time in his life, that loneliness had negative connotations. He felt unloved. The house he grew up in no longer felt like a home. And after a few minutes of thinking, he realised that the only thing keeping him there was Bo. And he knew that Bo would follow him to the end of the earth and back again. The two of them were alone in this cold, dead world, but they were alone together. And so they left. They packed their bags and they set off into the snowy wasteland of planet Earth. Just a boy, his dog, and the apocalypse. Well, boy, this is it. Are you ready to say goodbye? <coughs> goodbye, house. Maybe a nice family will find you. I hope you can give someone a home one day. <coughs> I think we'll look for somewhere smaller. Someone with less memories. How does that sound, bro? Do you remember when we first brought you home? You were a tiny little puppy with paws far too big for your minuscule body, tripping over your own feet. I always love dogs. I always prefer them to humans. Dogs are predictable. You can easily work out how they're going to react. You throw a ball and 9 times out of 10 they'll bring it back. You say walkies and 9 times out of 10 they'll wiggle around excitedly. <laughs> exactly. Just like that. Humans are more difficult to understand. They aren't consistent in their behaviour. They tell a joke and sometimes they'll laugh, but sometimes they'll just stare at you blankly. And then someone else will tell an almost identical joke and they'll laugh so hard they cry. I don't get it. That's why I always preferred dogs. It's been that way for as long as I can remember. I remember when I was a kid, I'd go around to my classmates' houses, and they'd ignore them in favour of spending time with their dogs. I used to befriend dogs on the street every day, and I used to have a journal full of all the dog facts I learned. I still remember some of them. 
Did you know Australian Shepherds aren't actually from Australia? They're from Spain. And Golden Retrievers are prone to hip dysplasia. That's you, boy. And you know, I've always found the variety of sizes in dogs so, so interesting. Because if we had that same variation of size in humans, we would have humans the size of Barbie dolls, and also humans the size of houses. I'm rambling, aren't I? <laughs> Thanks for being honest, boy. You know, before we got you, my sister was scared of dogs. She was afraid of all animals, actually. It was part of the reason Mom and Dad got you, to help Peggy get over her fear. She was a little wary of you at first, always hiding behind Mom and Dad whenever you stumbled into a room. But I saw your soft fur and your big brown eyes, and I immediately knew you were going to be my best friend. <laughs> and I was right. Look at us. Nine years later, and still best friends. You know, it's funny, I never... your name? <laughs> Biscuit. Hi Biscuit, I'm Micah, this is Bo. Oh gosh, you're hurt, let me see your leg. Please, come on, you can't be walking around with a hurt leg. Thank you. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Bo, can you fetch the first aid kit from my backpack? Thank you, boy. Now let's see what we can do about this leg. Micah fixed up the small dog's leg as best he could, cleaning the wound and bandaging it up. And so, biscuit all fixed up, Micah retrieved the tiny little pop-up tent, set it up, and they all went to bed for the night, both dogs tucked under each of Micah's arms. The boy and his dogs fell asleep almost immediately, tired from the roads and unaware of what the next day would hold. So, where's your family? They left you, didn't they? I'm sorry. Mine left too. Me and Bo are on our own now. Biscuit! Biscuit, come back! Come on boy, let's go after him. Biscuit! Whew. Biscuit, you can't just run off like that. Who knows what's out here? You could have got lost. You could have hurt yourself. Biscuit, where have you brought us? Why have you brought us to a barn, boy? Do you know this place? Okay, if you're sure. 
Boy, I think it's okay. I think they're friends with Biscuit. Come on, let's go and say hi. Biscuit's friends, Micah and Bo learned, were named Coda, Leaf, Mars, Hudson, and Spaghetti. Each one of them had been abandoned by the humans that they once called family, and each one of them had found a home, albeit a temporary one, in the old ramshackle barn. Micah was not sure how long the dogs had been in the barn. He was not sure how long the dogs had been without their humans. He was unsure how long the dogs had been without care and love. So he rifled through his backpack and pulled out the large bag of dog food he had packed for Bo, and he tipped some of it out onto the floor, just enough for the seven dogs to share. He set Bo's water bowl down on the floor and tipped out half his water bottle into it. And the dogs feasted, and the dogs drank, and Micah was sure that if they were able to, the dogs would smile. The world is scary, isn't it? It's so big. There's so much of it. It's when you think you must have walked on all the ground that planet Earth has to offer. There's more. It just keeps going and going and going and going and... Do you think it's hard to breathe everywhere? Is there any place in the world that's actually safe? I'd never leave the planet. I wouldn't. I couldn't. This planet is my home. It's all I've ever known and all I ever will know. Even if this world is slowly killing me, slowly killing all of us, I'll stay. <laughs> Besides, someone needs to stay behind to take care of those who get left behind. Take care of what's left of the world. What's that? Snowstorm. There's a bloody snowstorm. Of course there is. Stay calm. Just, just stay calm. We'll be fine. We'll be... Biscuit, Biscuit, no, come back. Biscuit, it's not safe, you need to... Biscuit, come back. <coughs> oh, the backpack. Bo, you know what to do, please. <coughs> Biscuit, where are you? <coughs> Biscuit, Bo, please. Where's Bo? Where is he? No, don't understand. I can't lose him. I can't. He's the only family I have left. I can't. Bo. Let's better guess, Mask. Thank you, boy. Coda, you found Biscuit. Oh, you're safe. We're all safe. You know, I was just a kid when I first told my family I'm trans. I think I was 12. They told me it was a phase. They kept telling me it was a phase until I turned 20. And then they just sort of stopped talking to me. 
I think they thought that maybe if they pretended I wasn't there, I'd just disappear. And if I disappeared, so would my transness. And then they wouldn't have to think about it. I went far away for uni, somewhere they couldn't reach me. But I missed Bo. <laughs> the uni closed down two years into my degree. Lack of funding, due to lack of students, due to lack of air left to breathe. I knew it was risky going away to study with the world in this state, but I really did want to learn. I wanted to be good at something. I wanted to prove myself. When my education got cancelled, I moved back home immediately. Well, I say home, but nowhere's really felt like home to me. I didn't particularly like it at uni, but I didn't particularly like it at home. But home had one thing that uni didn't. Home had Bo. Bo is the best and perhaps only friend I've ever had. What's that? Be careful, boy. Christ, they look so cold. Get them under this blanket, quick. It's okay, it's okay. You're safe now. You're safe. It's okay. You're okay. That's better, isn't it? Micah noticed that the three puppies were wearing collars, and he learned that their names were Play-Doh, Buddy, and Mud. Those are wonderful names. He also noticed that all three puppies had a phone number engraved into the dog tags around their necks. It was the same number, and that meant that the puppies might still have a human somewhere out there. And Micah wasn't going to give up a chance to return them safely home. There was no response, just a message. A message all too similar to the one Micah's own family had left. A message saying that the family had left the planet in search of a better life, and their dogs would not, or could not, be a part of that. I'm sorry, it looks like your humans are gone, You're just like the rest of us. It's okay. You found us. And we're gonna help you. Isn't that right, guys? <coughs> See? You're not alone. We're here for you. All of us. Micah was struck by how young the puppies were. How their humans must have only had them for a couple of weeks before they decided to leave. He looked around, taking in the vast number of dogs surrounding him taking in the fact that each one of these beautiful, wonderful creatures had been abandoned in this cold, cruel world. Micah Underwood decided right there and then that he was going to show these dogs the love they deserved, that they didn't get from their families. Come on then, let's find somewhere to stay for the night. This one seems empty. Should we go in? 
this is nice and cozy. You know what? I think we can make this work. <laughs> and so they settled down into the abandoned cottage in the woods. And looking at the dogs surrounding him, Micah smiled. And he found that he was happy. He didn't mind that his family had left him. The dogs were his family now. And he was going to love and care for them more than his biological family ever had for him. The world may be dead, it may be crumbling around him, but he is content, he is at peace, he is happy. The world may be cold and empty and long dead, but Micah Underwood is very much alive. And he has so much love to give. And though love cannot fix the world, love cannot reverse the damage the earth has endured, what love can do is make the remaining years of planet earth more bearable. Micah has love, and he has a home, and he has a family. So they will be okay. Just a boy, his dogs, and the apocalypse. Trentthologies is a trends anthology podcast, distributed by the Listless Network and produced by Alex Abrahams. A Boy, His Dog, and the Apocalypse was written and directed by Alex Abrahams. It was edited by Alex Abrahams, with music composed by Lee Grierson. In today's episode, you heard the voices of Alex Abrahams as the narrator and Eden J. Storm as Micah Underwood. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune in tomorrow for To Fly to Starry Skies by Morgan Champagne. But until then, stay transgender. And if you're still cis, ask yourself, why?